In this short episode, we're going to talk about sales conversations. This is something that I know a, a lot of our clients often struggle with, um, mostly because I think in, in a lot of cases you don't have a good framework for it. So if you've got a framework that's working and uh, and producing results, this might not be for you. I don't want you to change anything that's working for you. However, if you don't have a model for how to have a sales conversation, this will at least give you some structure and some framework. Now, there are uh, there are two PDFs that go along with this that are linked up in the show notes. Uh, one of them is called the Sales Conversation Blueprint Overview, and the other is a worksheet that you can actually use and and have in front of you to take notes when you're having a sales conversation and it will sort of prompt you through the different parts of of that call or that conversation. So let let's talk first about the role of or your excuse me your role in the sales conversation. Many professionals see the sales conversation as something difficult, stressful, even uncomfortable. And these feelings really come from two places. First, from an emotional connection to making the sale. And that's totally understandable. You want to add that client and it feels really good to win new business. You might even need to win that particular client for very practical reasons for cash flow. Unfortunately, focusing on an outcome that you cannot control, in other words, the the prospect buying or not buying is an outcome you can't control masks your ability to take on the real role in the sales conversation that you need to take on. And and that role is the role of the leader. The second reason that these conversations often feel uncomfortable for people is that you have a lack of structure. There's no repeatable system for having these conversations. Most professionals simply sort of show up and they start talking without a roadmap to guide that conversation. As a result, every trip into what I call sales conversation land is stressful. And it's stressful because you don't know the terrain. You don't know where you're going, what direction you're headed in. Your role in this process is to guide the potential client through a discovery and decision-making process that leads to a decision, not to a sale necessarily. It has to lead to a decision, a yes or no decision. Now, I want you to think about that a little bit. That's very different than the way most people approach a sales conversation. The outcome that they're trying to get to is to make a sale. And and that's not really your aim. Your aim is to determine whether or not there's a problem here that you can solve, whether, in other words, is there a fit and, um, and determine what solving that problem is worth to the potential client and then help them make a decision. Are they going to go forward or not? And it, it really, you need to get into a mindset of understanding that it, it doesn't matter what outcome happens. If they say yes, great. If they say no, great. You know, if they say yes, great, you got a new client. That's, that's wonderful. That's positive. Helps grow the business. If they say no, they've just saved you a ton of time. And what happens in most sales conversations, if, if there's not a yes, there's ambiguity, and ambiguity means you don't know what to do next. You don't know how to follow up next. Um, you, it, it allows you to delude yourself into thinking that, that there's a possibility there when really there's not, but the prospect didn't have the courage to tell you. And so we're trying to get to a decision. All decisions are good decisions. 
it's easy to assume that the sale is made or lost during the sales conversation. It certainly can be, but more often it's made or lost during lead generation or in the pre-sales phase. And so if you're attracting poor fit prospects in the lead generation phase, or you're doing a poor job of educating them and establishing authority and filtering them in the pre-sales phase, then you're likely to have a lot of unproductive sales conversations. Conversely, if you select the right prospects on the front end, and put them through an effective educational process using your podcast, using your webinar, using email marketing, then before you're in a sales conversation, you'll have the experience. Uh, if you do all that before you're in a sales conversation, you're going to have the experience of really what I call an effortless sales conversation where the prospect shows up and is properly prepared and educated and ready to evaluate whether or not you can help them. And if you can make a decision about that. So I I know you've heard it before. A no is as good as a yes. Um, And really the only result that's going to slow your momentum down is, is no decision at all. You don't want to end up in limbo after this conversation. I can't stress that enough. It's a terrible place to live in sales. Understand that as you apply this structured sales conversation, if you're getting more no's than yeses, the cause is more likely lead acquisition and lead education than it is um, any kind of personal failure of yours in the sales conversation. All right. So Let's talk now about, as we get into the conversation, how it works. The sales conversation is really a two-step process, similar to marketing where you begin with the problem that the prospect has, and then you explore those consequences of the problem. Um, And then, and only then, do you offer a solution that eliminates the consequences. The sales conversation should talk the, the prospect through the problem, consequences, solution journey all the way through. And you're going to do that by asking questions. The first part of the sales conversation diagnosis is really an examination of the problem and a deep exploration of the consequences that the prospect faces. And you want them to get you to describe those consequences in their own words. And you want to uncover both the consequences the prospect is aware of and using questioning, get them to become aware of of any consequences that they don't yet realize, but you know because of your experience, are going to be big problems for them in the future. Now, only after you diagnose that problem and understand the true impact, in other words, the value of solving that problem to the prospect, and they're the only ones that get to judge that value. It's, it's not up to you. It's up to them. One, once you get to that point where you understand, you've walked them through this process, they understand and you understand the true impact of solving this, and you get mutual agreement on that impact, are you able to then proceed with the solution? In other words, with prescribing a cure. So then the second part of the conversation is the presentation of your prescription. Most people reverse these steps, and this is the root cause of sales frustration. So if you start out pitching and trying to convince them that you're a solution without first establishing what the problem is and the impact and value of the problem, you're going to have challenges in every sales conversation. 
I can't stress that enough. You cannot get these two things out of order. The first part of this conversation is all about asking questions and diving deep into the answers to really understand why the prospect is is facing this problem and why they can't solve it on their own or haven't solved it on their own up to this stage and what it would be worth for them to have it solved. Until you do that, you're not ready and they're not ready to have any conversation about how to fix the problem because you haven't gotten agreement on what the problem is and what it's worth. All right. So with that kind of as the background, let's talk about the sales conversation blueprint. There are really five parts to it. Um, and, and you'll take them through these five parts in order. And so the first part is motivation. You want to begin every conversation trying to figure out what is the motivation of the prospect? Why are they meeting with you? Why did they agree to have a call with you? They know that in this call, at some point, whether it's in the first call or subsequent calls, that you're going to ask them to do business. Okay, they're coming in with that assumption. And so you want to know why they're having the meeting. Um, and so the way that I do that is very simple. Usually the first thing after, you know, we say hello and talk about the weather and have, you know, a minute or two of, of chit chat, I usually bring it right around and focus it and say, okay, you know, Hey John, why are we here today? What's happening in your world that makes having this meeting important for you right now? And then I just stop and I'd be quiet and I, I just let, the silence sort of sit there. It usually won't sit there for very long, but if it does, I'll sit there as long as it takes for them to answer. And what you want to have them do is just sort of describe why they're here, why they think it's important to have the call. They'll usually begin telling you a lot about their current situation and what's going on with them. But it's a that particular question will really get things, I think, started off in the right direction for you so you don't meander a ton. Now, um, you, don't want to, you don't want to let them go for 30 minutes describing their motivation. Um, they should be able to answer that in, in a few minutes, uh, maybe five minutes, 10 minutes tops. Um, and, and beyond that, what you'll find is that they're, they're generally starting to wander. So you're going to want to kind of insert yourself again and kind of get control and, and, and continue to guide. Because remember, your goal is to lead them through this conversation and you have to remain the leader. They don't know how to go through a process to understand the, the real depth of the problem that they're facing and the impact of it and, uh, and then get to the point where you can offer a cure. So you've got to lead them through that. And that, that requires you to put some, some rails, some guardrails sort of on the edges of the conversation as they start wandering. So, so that's the first part. Why are we here today? What's happening in your world that makes having this meeting really relevant for you right now or important for you right now? The second part of the conversation is all about their bigger future. And so we want to get them focused on what the future is going to look like before we really dive into the obstacles to that future. All right. Uh, and, and this is where they're going to paint a picture for you of what they're really envisioning, because that's going to be the, the key. Once you know where they want to go, it's pretty simple then to come back and figure out with them what's standing in their way. In other words, what problems need to be solved, what consequences need to be removed. So to do that, 
Um, I found this little book years and years ago uh, by Dan Sullivan, who is the, the founder of Strategic Coach. It's called The Dan Sullivan Question. And it's, I, I think it's one of the simplest ways to bring focus to a sales conversation. Um, and so if you don't have the book, I highly recommend that you get it. Again, it's called The Dan Sullivan Question. It's on Amazon. You can get it pretty much anywhere. So the, the way that the question is, is set up is you simply ask, if we were meeting three years from today and you were to look back over those three years to today, what has to have happened during that period, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy about your progress? And then you just pause and wait for them to answer. Uh, and, and on the worksheets, you'll see the wording of that question. And again, I highly recommend you get the book because it'll explain why the question works. And I've been using it for years and it is incredibly powerful. Uh, oftentimes you'll find that no one has ever asked them that kind of question before. And it allows them to sort of open up and have a bigger conversation about what they want to achieve and gives you an opportunity to see how you might be able to fit in and help them get there. And so let them go. Um, and as they're mentioning things, take notes. Everything that they say they want to be true three years from today, take notes on. And you know, come back around to what you think are the important things. Um, and when I come back around, I'll usually ask them, so you mentioned you want to be at this particular level of revenue. Why is that? Why did you mention that? Why is that important? What does that do for you if you get there? And they'll tell you, uh, you know, for somebody it might be, oh, well, I, I really want my spouse to be able to quit her job. You know, if it's a, a money thing, you know, if you're dealing with that sort of thing, uh, they'll, you know, they may tell you, I want to reach this particular goal, you know, relative to what you do. They'll tell you all kinds of things. And that's the point. It gets them talking. Now, uh, from there, you can ask some additional kind of questions that dive deeper. And these are all on the worksheet. So you don't have to memorize them here, but um, I'll, I'll go in and ask these as a way to dive deeper. So I'll ask, and I don't always ask all of them, and I don't always ask them in this order. These are just sort of options. So I'll ask, hey, tell me about your current situation. And then they'll tell me, you know, wherever they are now. Um, I'll ask them, hey, what's working for you now? What's not working? I'm trying to figure out what they've tried uh, related to, to what, you know, what you do. You want to know what they've tried, what they haven't tried, what's worked. Um, you want to ask them, okay, what are, what are your resources or strengths or capabilities? What, what do you have that we need to leverage related to, to this goal you want to reach? What are the obstacles that you're running into now is another one I like to ask. Let them describe what those obstacles are. Uh, what's, threatening the status quo right now. You know, a lot of times, particularly when you're doing, you know, your, your business to business selling, they're going to have something in mind that like is going to disrupt them if they don't take care of it. So, you know, getting all of that stuff out on the table with some very simple questions uh, gives you kind of the information that you need to be able to, again, continue to lead them through this. Um, all right. So that's, uh, so we've talked about motivation. We talked about bigger picture. 
which is, you know, if we're meeting here today, meeting three years from today, and you were to look back over those three years, what has to have happened? The third piece is the starting point, which is tell me about your current situation, what's working for you, what's not working for you, what, what resources, strengths, capabilities do you have that, that you should leverage, what obstacles are you encountering now, what's threatening the current status quo, things like that. That, that gives you sort of the starting point for where they are now. And then the fourth piece of this is the gap. And the gap is very simply the distance between that future that they've already described that they want and, and the starting point, the reality that they're in now. And don't assume that they understand or see or appreciate the magnitude of the gap. What we're looking for here is to ask them a very simple question. Usually it, it can be phrased like this. What do you feel is keeping you from achieving insert the result that they want on your own. So in our case, if I was talking to, to a potential client, I'd say, well, what, what, what do you feel is keeping you from achieving, you know, from achieving the growth that you want on your own? And then be quiet and listen. And they may pause. They may say, I don't really know. Um, they may tell you, I, I don't have this system in place, you know, which is the exact reason that they're talking with you. Um, and, and you want to just let them go for a minute and answer that, you know? So if, uh, and if they say, I, I don't really know, I'll ask them, well, if you had to guess, what do you think is, is the gap here? What do you think is, is preventing you from getting there? Um, usually that will get them to kind of come up with an answer. Um, and, uh, and, and so now you've kind of got the basis for prescribing a cure. Now you don't have to prescribe the cure on the first call. You can in some cases, but in, in most situations you're going to say, okay, let me take this. Let me go back and let me think about, um, some solutions to this that would give you, uh, that this future that you want, and I'll describe it to them, um, that'll help you overcome this thing that they just told you was keeping them from achieving the goal on their own. Um, and, and, you know, and then set a time for that follow-up, set a, a, another call or another meeting. Um, I would do it within a couple of days. Uh, we've at times experimented with doing it like an hour later. So, Hey, do you have time, you know, later this afternoon where we can sit down and, and, uh, I'll, you know, I'll lay out what, what's possible. And, when you now come back with them, you can prescribe that cure. So you can, at that point, lay out your solution and connect it to all of the things that they've already told you that they want. So you're essentially checking off boxes on their checklist for what you're going to create for them in the future for overcoming the, the barrier that they have right now that's creating the gap. All of that, your solution now needs to connect to. They're basically, they've given you the, the blueprint for selling to them. And now when you come back, the cure needs to check all those boxes. Um, and so, again, you can do that in, in one step in the same meeting. You can do it in a second meeting. It's up to you. Um, now, that's the conversation. So then the next thing that comes up is how to deal with objections. And when you get an objection, a lot of times it's just a, something that comes out in the form of a question. And a, 
often the, the, the thing that is being revealed to you in that objection is that there's a gap in your message. And so you never want to get frustrated with those or dismiss them. It's actually really good that you're getting them. And you want to make notes about which ones you're getting because you can take that and that can be plugged back into your marketing message um, so that it's dealt with before you're in the sales conversation in the future. Um, objections simply just represent an area of concern or a doubt or a question that you've not adequately addressed up to that point in the mind of the prospect. So when they raise it, it's just an indication that um, they do, in fact, you know, likely want to get the solution, but, but there's this barrier that's in their mind, you know, that we call the objection that we need to deal with so that they can check that box off in their mind and go, okay, no, that's handled. So there's, I mean, tons of books written on how to handle objections. I like to keep it pretty simple. So if somebody brings something up, first, I acknowledge the concern and just acknowledge, Hey, I understand, you know, you have this particular concern about it. I'll repeat what the concern is and then I'll respond to it. In other words, here's how we handle that. Um, here's how we deal with it. Uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, well, I'll, I'll cover a specific in a, in a minute. It'll show you how to handle one without actually, um, kind of giving into it. And then you just move forward. So the, the one that we get all the time is around references, almost, I don't know, probably every other sales call I get, somebody asks for references and we don't give out references. We don't do it that way. We have testimonials that we'll share and videos on our website, but you know, all of you, all of our clients are busy and running their own businesses. And we don't think that it's right for us to turn them into our sales force. So I just simply explain it that way. So somebody says, oh, can I you know, speak to a couple of your clients? I say, well, we really don't make our clients available like that. And let me tell you why. You know, we've just found that if, you know, if we did that with everyone that we spoke with, our clients would be essentially acting as our sales force. They'd be on the phone all the time talking to people who wanted references and they're busy and they're running businesses and it's just not fair to them. So what we've done instead is we've videotaped uh, some of our clients and we've put that onto a specific web page and I'll be happy to send you the link to that and you can see what they had to say um, in a way that respects their time and, and uh, also will give you the information that you need. And then we move on. And I've never had anybody not do business with us because that, you know, didn't work. So you can handle these things without, you know, without kind of caving to the objection um, if, if it's not something that you want to cave to. And then, all right, so once you've dealt with those, and usually there aren't going to be very many, but once you've dealt with those, now it's time to get to a decision. And this is the part where most everybody fails in these conversations because you kind of wimp out at the end. And there's no need to. It's not a big deal. I mean, you just use one simple question. I've used this question for years, and I, I'm telling you, it will transform how you have these conversations. So if you get to the point where everything's been presented, you've already at this stage probably talked about price as you've presented the cure, okay? You've dealt with some objections, and you think everything's covered, then all you've got to do is say, okay, where would you like to go from here? Okay, and they're either going to tell you, hey, I have another objection, in which case you're going to go back and deal with that. 
And when you're done dealing with that, you're going to ask them again, okay, where would you like to go from here? I mean, I've been in sales conversations where I've asked it like five or six times. And, uh, and I know that may sound a little bit strange, but in the conversation itself, it's actually not. Uh, but you just keep bringing them back and they're going to tell you, okay, I'm ready to go. Or no, I don't think this is a fit for me. Um, or, you know what, I think this might be a fit, but we need to table it into the future because of X. Um, and then I always want to challenge them a little bit on X. Is it really, is that really more important than this? Sometimes it is. Okay. Some people will tell you, you know, you really push them hard and pressure them on that. I don't believe in that. Um, but I do want to help them kind of clarify their thinking around that. Is, is that just an excuse or is it real? If it's real, okay, fine. Let's set a date in the future when we're going to connect again. But really, there's, only, there's three options in this. They're going to become a client. They're not going to become a client, and that's okay. Or you're going to table the decision to a, a date in the future that you agree upon, and you're going to agree <coughs> upon you know, the, whatever additional information or criteria that they're going to need to have, you know, whether that's some other event has happened, to make a decision on that date. So... That, that's the sales conversation. It's really pretty straightforward. Um, I know this audio has gone about twice as long as, the re- as, uh, as I like to have these things, but I think it's important um, so that you sort of hear how the, that conversation can flow. If you're getting to a point where you're, ha- you're struggling going through these conversations, let's get on a call and let's work through it because um, that, you know, really I want to help you be successful on these. And I know that's an area where a lot of our clients sometimes don't feel super comfortable. So um, the key is have a plan, have a structure, make it simple, um, and do it in a way that doesn't make you feel like you're being slimy. And and this process has done that for me for for years now um, and has helped a a number of our clients as well. So um, if you need it, use it. And like I said at the beginning, if you've got something that works, don't necessarily change it just because this is the way we do it. There's more than one way to skin the cat. All right. If you have questions, let us know. You can get the worksheets. They're linked up in the show notes and uh, good luck. Good luck.